And so if it was something with a little more green, yeah. white, something a little more flashy, something they're going to be taking pictures in the locker yeah. room on Instagram, this is going to be like a silent locker room prep before the game. Mm. And then some DMX gets put in. They want uniforms that are not going to show blood. Hey. They want uniforms where oh, blood will not get there's so your, dark. There's your sound bite, JD. That's <laughs> just, that might be the breakout right there. <laughs> Pod. We are at hashtag 123 here in the beautiful house. Yep, still a house. Still, still a house, not a condo. If you'd be so kind, please go find us on your favorite podcast streaming platform at the Flock Pod. Hit that subscribe button. Give it give us the five-star ratings. Uh, make sure you're getting that fresh hotness in your feed every time we have a new pod that comes out. Also, please go find us on all of your favorite social media platforms at the Flock Pod, uh, including the Twitterverse, the Instagram, the Bookface, the, the main trifecta, if you will. You can find me at Coach Justin D on those same platforms. Shay. Tell them where you are. You can find me at bartender Shane six on Twitter and at walk of block of Shane six on Instagram. And once again, we are joined by our third duck Migo, Mr. Ducks wire himself, Zachary Neal. Zach, how we doing? I am doing great. Um, I can announce to the public that I am now with child for the first time <laughs> doing this podcast. So um, yeah, my wife gave birth last uh, Thursday. So my last week has been a lot of fun. New little duck, little bundle of joy in the household. So uh, we're having a great time with it. And now you always have a birthday to celebrate right around the start of football season. Yes, yes, it's always. I'm just so happy she wasn't born at like just right before kickoff she tied it on nicely it was thursday i had friday and then i could watch watch the game on saturday and you know a little bit of work during it so it was great so zach's sleep will be going down but our duck content <laughs> will be going up here in the next few weeks as things really start to crank up uh, Ducks could take, take care of business against the Eastern Washington Eagles. We will definitely recap that and give you all of our thoughts. I have not seen this week's uniform sticking with a tradition that we started like two weeks ago, I think. So uh, I've been mm -hmm. off of social media basically all day. I've been fighting with a dryer, but that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, we'll do a live uniform unveil for me. We'll talk about the BYU Cougars, a little preview of them, five players to know the awesome Ducks Wire article. And then of course, Duck Generate Corner at the end. So, guys, let's just jump right into it. I went to the game um, on Saturday. It was smoky. It was it was weird to see the stadium kind of empty. That was kind of like my main or like my first kind of takeaway. But with considering the circumstances, it's uh, to be a little bit expected with the air quality and such. But what was kind of uh, your guys's main takeaway from Saturday? Because we've kind of talked about not not jumping ahead too much that, you know, this Saturday against BYU is kind of the measuring stick that we were looking towards, but Shane, what was a, what was a main takeaway that you had from this game against the Eastern Washington Eagles? Uh, that apparently this Oregon team is going to be a run dominant team. Uh, I think that against Eastern Washington, we kind of were able to see what the, the, this ideal team would look like. It was a, a really good insight to what Kenny Dillingham's offense was going to look like. Uh, the defense, you know, is always going to be, I mean, we, we saw improvements from the defense, but systematically we were able to see things against Georgia that we weren't able to see on the offensive side. So, yeah, so, I mean, the offensive line was dominant. Uh, I thought that the game ball should go to them as, as a group, that some of the holes that they were opening up for Whittingham early and just kind of the the rotating door of running backs. It's, it's actually kind of fun, especially in a game like that, where it's like, oh, fuck, Byron Cardwell. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Let's see him get a little bit of action. Then it was like, Oh, Sean Dollars rips a big one. I kind of forgot about him for a second. So, yeah, just that. And then, I mean, getting the wide receivers involved early, uh, kind of in that more shorter passing game that Oregon fans are used to. But I just thought that with this opponent and how they were playing and just everything rolling, it was like, okay, so this is going to be more similar to the kind of the Mario Cristobal team than we kind of maybe thought it might be a little bit more flashy. 
Well, and I think there might be something to be said that that's the ducks. That's them coaching to their strengths. Because I mean, if, when you look at that backfield, you're like, Oh yeah. Sean dollars. Oh yeah. Byron Cardwell. Oh yeah. Bucky Irving. Oh yeah. No way. Winning team. Like these are studs. And so to get them opportunities, nobody tallied more than 10 <laughs> carries on Saturday, but you had uh, quite a few players, a plethora of players, if you will, get upwards of seven carries. So lots of rushing to go around. So Zach, what was your main takeaway from that game on Saturday when you look back? So is it cheating to say that I didn't really have any main takeaways from the game? Not I mean, so part of that is the way that I watched the game obviously was pretty distracted watching it from, <laughs> from a hospital room and on my iPad, which because shocker hospital TVs don't carry pac 12 network. So um, yeah, I, I obviously it was probably like the least I've like paid attention to a duck game in the past, you know, 10 years. I still watched and I, I rewatched the first half. I didn't watch the rewatch the second half, but you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I learned a ton about this team in that yeah. game. And I don't think they'll be winning in the game thinking that we'd learn a ton. Yeah, they were going to kick the crap out of Eastern Washington. They put up 70 points, which is more than I thought they would. Um, I, that was great to see. They, they were able to score really well. The defense took some pride, held them out of the end zone. You know, I, I was pleased with what I saw, but it's not like I'm, I have any, like, Over like overwhelming takes about this team. Now I don't. I'm not incredibly confident that we're going to march into to Austin on Saturday and beat BYU because of what I saw on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I I saw some things that I wanted to see. Bo Nix looked really good. Like uh, like Shane said, the running backs looked really good. Troy Franklin, Terrence Ferguson looked awesome. The defense was solid. Um, I was a little surprised that there weren't any like dominant players on defense, but it was more of a team effort. You know, nobody more with with more than three tackles is kind of surprising to me. But um, yeah, all in all, it's like it was it was what they needed to do. But yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said that there was any major takeaway from this game. Which I think within itself is a takeaway. Like they they went yes. out, they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Let's move on. Let's move forward. So with with that in mind. I mean, players like Troy, I always think of Clifford Franklin from the replacements whenever I see his name for some reason. So I always call him Troy Clifford Franklin in my brain, but that doesn't mean anything to you guys. But yeah, to see, see him go out there for 10 catches, 84 yards and the touchdown, uh, Dante Thornton with four grabs, 60 yards, and just really spread the ball around again in that receiving game and upwards of, let's see, one, I mean, this is bad podcasting, but at least nine or 10 different players out there catching passes. And we went deep into the into the roster, no doubt. But as we as we look forward now a little bit to BYU, is there a specific player that you hope can like carry this performance forward, take this momentum forward? Because again, it's Eastern Washington, but it's still a 70, 70 to 14 game. You still went out there and executed and did exactly what you were hoping to do on a lot of fronts. So, Zach, is there is there any particular player that you're really excited to see what they can do now moving forward against BYU? I mean, the really easy answer is Bo Nix, where I think yeah. if he can continue this level of play, then the Ducks really have some cooking this year. But um, I'm, an, I'm not going to say him. I really want to see if Troy Franklin can keep this up. I mean, he, in my mind, stepped up as the wide receiver one last week. And I mean, his first week against Georgia, I forget his stats against Georgia, but I think he played, you know, decently well, as well as anybody in that game did for Oregon. But if he can come out on Saturday against BYU and continue to be this you know, second down, third down receiving option and kind of lead this offense in that receiving corps. I want to be really impressed because we've heard a ton about him this offseason, but he's stepped up that he's one of the most consistent players on the offense. And, you know, he showed that on Saturday. And I, I want to see that more going forward because that's a huge weapon for the Ducks if that can happen. Shane, what about you? Is there a player you're excited to see if they can carry that momentum forward now against BYU? I kind of want to see what Byron Cardwell is able to do in this game. Uh, like we said, the running back distribution is is so spread out, and these guys are spread a little bit more thin than they were. And when having his role reduced, I still was surprised how uh, much he was able to produce against Eastern Washington. Find the end zone, I think twice, maybe once. I don't know. It was kind of a once at once. It was just a plethora of touchdowns there for a second. Uh, but Wait, Cardwell had two. Cardwell had a receiving touchdown. I didn't thought he? he had two. He had one rushing. Oh, he one did have a receiving touchdown. So yeah, yep. one rushing touchdown, one receiving touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was on like a little, little, a little pitch. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't it was much of a, a rushing touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, with with seeing like because I was a little surprised to see Noah Whit or uh who was out there first. Was it Whittington or Kyle Whittington was, was out there first? 
No, Kyle Whittington is the Utah coach. Or yeah, sorry. <laughs> or Whittingham, uh, Whittington, Whittingham. I don't know. Whittingham. Whittingham. Bucky Irving started the Bucky game. Bucky was out there first. Bucky yes. was out there first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but to see Byron Cardwell, like you know, really get his his role reduced. I want to see if he's able to almost overtake that. Like, you know, maybe not the starter, but to get the lion's share of the carries uh, as we go down the season. But I mean, the, what I wanted to say was Troy Franklin for pretty much every reason's accent. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see an Oregon wide receiver out there to really command really the ball is. and and to really play that well. I I sent you guys a text after the game and I said, is it crazy to think that I, I that I believe that Bonex still didn't play all that well? And to me, it's it's that there were other throws there to be made, but again, without being in the room and without knowing exactly where his, where his eye discipline is, what he's looking for on each play. It's hard to say that it's hard to be, you know, a a bleacher bleacher coach in that regard. And again, this could just be seeing it through, you know, Ty Thompson love goggles over here, but I do, I do feel as if there were some explosive players there to be made. There was a touchdown, I think in the, uh, and then they so, ended up scoring anyway. But again, I think there was a touchdown there in like the second quarter that was like wide open that he missed. And just, just a couple of things where he just didn't see other plays that were there. But yeah, go ahead, Zach. I'm, what do you got? I'm trying to find this quote because <laughs> Nix was asked about that in the presser today where oh, okay. I found it. The question was along the lines, paraphrasing, but fans have wanted to see more deep balls this season and have been frustrated on that front so far. You know, what do you have to say about that? Nick's responded, well, a lot of the times fans want bombs, but they don't look at the defense a lot. Defenses want to prevent bombs. Fans get caught up in what they want, and they don't necessarily understand a whole lot. So I think that's a very funny quote for... <laughs> I mean, fair. He's like got I said, a point, though. He knows more about <laughs> football than any of us. Exactly. I mean? Exactly. I, I'm just I'm just seeing what my eyes are seeing out there, and I see with free Oregon receivers running and no defenders around them and and no ball getting thrown. And so I, we didn't get any subtweeting this week. You know, there's no wide receiver out there saying, you know, free me or what have you. So that's good. But I think that there's still – I think this is kind of what we talked about, right? The the first game against Georgia, he, he kind of played outside of himself. And hey, guys, knock it off. I'm crying out loud. <laughs> I thought that was Zach's chair. Like WrestleMania in here out, all of a sudden. <laughs> no. Doggos are going absolutely crazy. But I think that I think there's a balance to be found between the Georgia performance and this performance. Like this felt like, yeah, it's safe, made some good throws. Um, just, just little things, little, little minutia things that I'm excited to see. Like you guys were saying what, what it looks like against BYU. That's, it's a quality team. That's a really, really quality football team. Well, and I, sorry, Shane, real quick. While I completely agree. And I, I had to bring up that quote because it was pretty funny, but like, I do agree with you when you texted us after the game, I also watched that game thing. I was like, yes, Nick's looked pretty good. It's, it's what we wanted to see from him, but there were some mistakes out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a couple that touchdown to Terrence Ferguson should have been a pick. Mm-hmm. There was a ball to chase Coda where it should have been a pick and Coda actually played great defense on it to knock it away and make yeah. it incomplete. So, you know, his stat line could have looked a lot worse than it actually did. I think he got lucky in a couple areas that's not to degrade his whole performance but yes i think there's a lot of you know we got to have some some real truth in our opinion of him after each game and be objective about this well yes he looked great you know a lot of areas to improve still and i mean just i was gonna actually say a lot of what you just said and to even extend that point there was four plays where he threw some pretty risky balls that would have been in like incomplete passes but there was uh, penalties on the play. Some of them on, on offense that the defense was accepting and wiping out that play as a statistic. So, because when you sent that text, I didn't really get to watch a ton of the game, uh, just kind of bits and pieces while I was working. Uh, I got to see a lot of like the scoring plays, mostly replays is what I see, if I'm totally. being honest. Uh, they, everybody cheers and then you're like, oh. Exactly. And then I go, <laughs> oh shit, that was cool. Um, but then going back and just rewatching the game today, like I totally got what you mean because I saw his stat line after the game and I was kind of like, I don't know, Justin, if you want him to be better than like more touchdowns <laughs> and incomplete passes, I'm like, that standard is a little high. <laughs> but, high of touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, to but then going back and watching, I was like, okay, I see. Like he probably would have been like seven or eight incomplete passes had those penalties not go down. And yet probably definitely should have thrown one interception. I mean, 
to have Terrence Ferguson not only pop the ball up, cover dude's eyes so with good. his hand so, so that he couldn't see what was happening. And then, I mean, he had, I mean, he had a couple of balls that I thought were brilliant. I mean, some means in the shorter passing stuff and even some of just the, uh, I'm not really sure what the play is called. You see it a lot in the NFL too, where they kind of do the, the fake rollout and then pitch it to the tight end on the inside. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, those plays are, it can go bad for it being a short little toss. It can be catastrophic. And he was, hitting guys right in the numbers and uh the pass to Cam McCormick I thought was a great pass. It was oh, also good old great Cam. to see him. Good old Cam getting a touchdown was awesome. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. But in general, I think that this game really epitomized a lot of what the Bo Knicks were going to see throughout the season is. I mean, he's a, a player that's supremely talented, can make a lot of the throws, is going to put up some stats, also make some boneheaded plays. And we we knew that coming in. We saw it against Georgia. We saw it him get away with it against Eastern Washington. If he can eliminate those one or two throws a game that could and sometimes will turn into interceptions, Oregon be Oregon can be pretty good. But you know, they're those are still out there right now. So I know that the gun- coaching staff is working hard to get him to stop doing that. A gunslinger is going to gunsling. Now. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. He's got that kind of stupid cowboy like yeah. Br- Brett and that's Favre what makes him. That's what makes him good a lot of the time too. Yeah. It's just you got to take yeah. the bad with the good sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it is funny that he's like this, this criticism of Oregon quarterbacks. It just kind of like continues on and on like post Mariota where it's like, he doesn't, he's fucking throwing too many interceptions. And he's like, Oh no, he's just being a game manager. And he's just like, bro, like, what do you want from me? But I mean, the one thing that I really liked about Bonix in this game was like the body language stuff. Uh, he was smiling a lot. He was cool, calm and collected. It looked like he was he was using this game as a great like bonding moment, especially with him and the wide receivers tapping guys helmets. Uh, Chase Coda actually dropped a pass uh, on like a second and long that was pretty uncharacteristic. And Bo Nix was kind of like joking with him as he, he ran back into the huddle and he was keeping things kind of light and uh you know just cohesive it was it looked like they had a really good time playing together and one of my other big like uh compliments to this team in this game was just how they handled themselves blowing out a team uh Mm -hmm. under the crystal ball regime we saw a lot more chippiness on the sidelines a lot more post play shenanigans even in games like this against like way lesser opponents and uh, outside of Justin flow, they didn't really do too much of it. Uh, <laughs> there was actually, there was a lot more like sportsmanship on the field than you see when a game like this, but it can be like really testy when one team's just kind of like taking it to them. Well, and, and Justin flows just finishing play, Shane. He's just finishing plays. He's out there playing to the end of the whistle. That's all. Jesus fuck, dude. I would <laughs> so, play against that guy. So can I ask a question? Yeah, please. Can I give the Can I give the floor to JD for a second? Oh goodness gracious! Just, oh, here we just go. what was the the second half like for you? I mean, you've been wanting to watch Ty play an extended period of time for a long time. It was great. What were your thoughts? How did you feel about it? Oh, I freaked out. I mean, Kendra knew it was coming to the point where she like recorded my reaction to him coming out on the field, which was pretty awesome. But no, he, uh, <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I love his, awesome. com- I love his composure. You know what I mean? I thought he looked really good. I mean, it's easy to look calm out there against Eastern Washington, but he did look like he had a command of the offense. He didn't look nervous for the moment or anything of that nature. Um, I thought that it was, it was a, it was a good performance considering all the circumstances and considering that he had some, he had some of the ones still out there, but it was predominantly a lot of the twos that he was, he was playing with, but again, five of seven, 63 yards, solid performance. Um, it, you know, again, what can you say? What, what, what more? Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's like, it is exactly. what it is. And, and until Bo Nix does something catastrophic or an injury, you know, knock on wood, we never root for those here. He's not going to get a chance. And that that's just the nature of the beast. And I hope he doesn't transfer. I hope, I hope he stays here. I hope he sees, you know, stays it out and sees the end of the course, but we'll see what happens. The ball looks like a rocket coming out of his hands, Yeah, but it just cannon. seemed like, it just seemed like another, like, it was like last year when we got to see him in that little bit of run, like, it just game, nothing yeah. really, like, the game's kind of over. They're just kind of going through the motions. You can tell they're not really opening up the playbook to him that much. Um, but, I mean, he, little tiny shoulder pads, too. Anybody else notice that? He was wearing, like, <laughs> yeah. nothing on his shoulders. But, I yeah. mean, he, he looked, you know, he looked like he belonged out there. It, it definitely mm-hmm. wasn't like, ugh. I mean, it's the the... Uh, on his first or second pass, it was just kind of an out route. He got it there in a fucking hurry. I mean, he's got the arm. He makes it look easy. You know, I guess it would be the main thing that I say and that I would take away. He makes the game look pretty easy. Go ahead. Well, in, in my 
not to be a downer, but my major takeaway was kind of negative, not for him, but just because it kind of really hit me. I was like, this is kind of all we're going to see from him. This is why I really wish he played in the Alamo Bowl and you got him other time last year to like actually play against other number ones and actually be in a pressure spot. Cause like, I don't know. I am of the mind that I think he's probably going to transfer. If I had to put money on it, I think he's going to transfer. And it's kind of a shame that like, this is what we see from him. And it's only in these moments that we get to see this, the highest rated recruit, uh, the quarterback recruit ever in Oregon, you know, to only play in second halves against Eastern Washington. It's like, man, that's really kind of a bummer. That's not how I wanted this story to turn out. I'm not reporting anything that he's, you know, going to transfer anything. It's just my kind of gut feeling. It's like, I, I don't see a path to him starting um, or having an easy path to start. So I, I can see that, but well, I just like, had that takeaway. Yeah. It's like the Bill Simmons thing, right? If you play out Ty Thompson's Oregon career a hundred times, this is the bottom 10% of outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just, um, it's, it's failure on one coaching staff to develop him and get him, get him the opportunity and the confidence to get him out there. And then it's another coaching staff that brought in their guy you know, and, and, and believes in their guy. And I can't fault a coach for doing that, you know, and he's got to be looking better than him in practice where he they wouldn't get the buy-in from the rest of the team. You know, if there was a legit conversation, you know, and it sounded like there was a legit um, competition, but if there was a true divide or anything of that nature, I think you'd see things playing out a little bit differently, but so far it looks like everybody's on the same page. So we move forward. We've got BYU coming into Autzen Stadium off of a pretty big-time victory against then-ranked number nine Baylor Bears, who have now fallen to 17th in the country. The BYU Cougars jumped to 12th in the country. Whoa, excuse me. Um, I got to watch a little bit of this game, and my main takeaway is BYU's just tough. Mm-hmm. They're just a very physical, physical team. Physical team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they look – I'm not going to say, like – like Kirkland, Utah, but they kind of look like Kirkland, Utah. I mean, when you consider the fact that like at least 60 to 70% of the roster is like 24 years old, (laughs) it's like, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense that they're a grown man, physical, hard-nosed team. So yeah, I had the same takeaway watching that uh, BYU-Baylor game. It's like, oh, this is actually a a really physical, fun game to watch. And Mm -hmm. Oregon is absolutely going to have their hands full on Saturday. Yeah, I I think that it's just going to be this is like another true true test. And watching that Baylor game, it was like, okay, yeah, this like the just the the gusto that their O-line was playing with. And I mean, just like the kind of cohesive like fuck these guys like attitude that they had during that entire game was a little bit terrifying because those are the teams that have given Oregon a lot of problems in years prior. I mean, like Justin said, like Utah last year. I mean, uh, they, they just came out and just they were the the physically superior team and they made that known immediately. So I think it's going to be big for Oregon to come out, especially like we're the same issues against Georgia, like in the secondary. Like, are these guys going to be able to come up and make tackles when the linebackers get, you know, when they get pulling guards against them and, and whatnot? So it's yeah, it's it's something to be worried about. That's for sure. Well, I guess the biggest positive is there's no six foot seven, 270 pound tight ends running around there for BYU. But um, I mean, but you, do have, dudes. you do have six foot eight, 330 pound tackles. Yes. So it's like, okay, <laughs> they won't be hurtling you, but man, they're going to be a, a big problem up front. They're going for those pancakes, baby. They want that syrup. Um, I was impressed with Jaron Hall. Thought he was a solid quarterback for the Cougs. Um, played the position well with a lot of poise. I wasn't that impressed with their stable of running backs, I guess is what I would say. And I I think that may be something that, I mean, again, depending on what Oregon decides to do here with those linebackers, I think you might see some more blitzing and things of that nature, a little bit less respect for the run just in general, because it just, it didn't seem as if they were attacking the whole Christopher Brown didn't seem to be that explosive kind of player. Um, I actually, I liked Katoa actually a little bit more, I think, than Brown. I was surprised to see that. He, is that how I say it? Katoa? I am honestly not Lopini, sure. Lopini Katoa, I think is his name, but yeah, I liked what I saw from him, but that'll, that'll be a, a, a thing that I'm really focusing on. But before we get too far into this, I have not looked at the uniforms yet. So I want to do the live uniform reveal right now for the it. good people. My favorite can, new bit of ours. I can only imagine <laughs> that my favorite website, duckswire.com, has the uniform up. So I'm just going to go here. They certainly do. 
And I've already got the tab pulled up because I never close my tabs. We're going to click on it. Ooh, oh, oh, okay. All right. So it's like that dark green. It's a weird middle of the day look. It's more of a yeah. night game look, but I'm okay with it. What's the, oh, that's true. It's the, that, it's the green on green helmet. It's the nightmare green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not my favorite. And it's just all no black, no anything. I mean, it's solid. It's it's not one of my favorite looks. I like it. I like I like the yellow numbers. I think that's like, that's kind of like a bold aspect of it for sure. I like the contrast. Um, I would have liked to have seen like one other splash of something, you know, like a white green helmet or something like that, just to yeah. to throw in something a little bit different. But no, I like it. I like it. It's, I agree. It's a, good it's, look. A, it's a really good uniform combo in my opinion. I would have worn it for a different game at a different time. This is if they wore this for a night game. It would have been perfect, I thought. Yeah. But like, if they wore this, if they had this, um, you know, if they wore like you were saying something lighter, something more bright, apple green for a, a twelve thirty game on Fox, it's really gonna pop. I think that might be more appropriate. But you know what? I'm not gonna argue with them. I have I have a theory that I just cooked up Oof. right now. Theory corner, <laughs> uniform they theory went, corner. That they wanted to use the most intimidating. Uh, no it's nonsense, possible. no frills. They want to get the guys and the mindset as they're suiting up that this yep. is going to be a physical battle. I like it. And so if it was something with a little more green, yep. white, something a little more flashy, something they're going to be taking pictures in the locker yep. room on Instagram. This is going to be like a silent locker room prep before the game. Mm. And then they DMX want, gets punt. They want uniforms that are not going to show blood. They Ooh. want you from where oh, blood there's, not, it's there's, your, so dark. there's your sound bite, JD. That's, <laughs> geez, that might be the breakout right there. We might have had it. We might have it, man. No, I like it. I like that. I like that it's called Nightmare Green. But again, yeah, we're in Nightmare Green at 1230 feels a little strange, but <laughs> it's a little um, weird, yeah, let's a good let's, theory, Shane. <laughs> yeah, I like that theory, the the whole no nonsense kind of look there. Let's jump into our preview here. Uh two feet here in the pool. Zach, let's uh let's hear a couple of your favorites here from the article five players to know on the BYU Cougars talked a little bit already about Jaron Hall, number three, their quarterback, a little about Christopher Brown and their stable of running backs. Who else do you got yeah. that you need to pay attention to? So this feels a little interesting because these two guys I'm going to highlight may or may not play on Saturday. I mean, mm. Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, two of their top receivers. Uh, they were both out last week against Baylor. Um, Romney had a lower leg injury and Nakua had a sprained ankle. Um, the latest I saw today was that both are practicing and there's a belief that they're probably going to play, but we're not, you know, not completely sure, but man, these guys are good. Uh, Romney has 1900 career receiving yards with nine touchdowns. Uh, Nakua has 43 catches and six touchdowns in his career. Uh, they're really good and they, they mix with, uh, Jaron Hall really well. So, um, if you're an Oregon fan, you're kind of fingers crossed that they don't end up playing because BYU is still a wagon without those guys. And uh, while they don't have a huge stable of running backs, I think it's because their receiving core is really solid. So um, those are definitely two guys. I'm looking closely at the injury report on Friday and Saturday to see what their status is. I like it. I like it. Shane, have you had a chance to to read that article or after? Did you get a chance to watch much of the BYU-Baylor game? Not a ton. Not uh, I was I was working and then finishing up and then when I my I was planning on watching it when I got home because it was still in overtime, uh, and then just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to. It's like going right back to work early on Sunday. Thing keeps fucking with me right now. No, that's tough. That's that's a tough turnaround for sure. But what's what's the takeaway then that you have, or what's something that you're looking like a matchup you're kind of looking forward to as we go towards this BYU Duck game on Saturday. So not really a matchup, but I have like a big concern, something that I was watching during the Eastern Washington game. And I kind of wanted to go back to the Georgia game and watch it, but there was just so many flaws in that game. But uh, these linebackers, you know, we've talked about them a ton. We love them. When they go into zone coverage, there is something to be desired for both of them where they kind of don't know what to do. If you go back and you saw uh, Eastern Washington's first touchdown, there was a penalty right before that saved uh, saved a score and they were, both of them, uh, Flo and Sewell, were in no man's land. And the penalty kind of saved them. They ended up scoring on a play that wasn't necessarily their fault. But there was a couple times that 
I think the secondary is probably the weakest part of this Oregon team. And I think that a, you know, a team that, that is, is going to be really run and gun is going to give this team the most problems where I think that these linebackers, they can go up and stop the run. I think that's what really suits their game the best. So in this game, I'm really looking at how these linebackers are able to assist some of these safeties in the middle of the field. Cause that was kind of where Georgia was just like in the flats and stuff. We're just picking guys apart. And then, then they were breaking these tackles against some of the corners and safeties later on. And I kind of want to see that a little bit more. I mean, Obviously, they're both really good at rushing the quarterback, stopping the run, and just that physical part of the game. Justin Flo is a guy that I'm glad is going to be on the field this Saturday when a game that we talked about is going to be this physical. You want the craziest dude on the field on your team, and he's definitely shaping up to be that guy. But, I mean, that is I where I think that this game might get a little bit weird is just like third and third and seven where BYU is, if they're picking up those first downs, that's where it's going to give Oregon a lot of problems. I'm confident in them getting teams into those third and, you know, medium to long, but how they're able to, to follow through there, especially with that zone coverage. If if they're one-on-one with the tight end, I, I like it just because of how athletic they are. We have seen Sewell play good pass coverage before, but that's just the one part of this that was the most concerning to me watching that game last week. Well, and so also another thing I'd point out about BYU is just with their defense, they're they're a really solid defense, and a lot of that is at their linebacker core too. They've got two guys, uh, Ben By- Bywater and Keenan Peely, as I think I'm saying that last name correctly. Um, they're really solid defenders, but they're not they're not your Noah Sewell or your Justin Flo. They're not they're not these five star talents that are going to go off and do amazing things in the NFL. But uh, Landing was talking earlier today that. Uh, BYU does such a good job, job with zone coverage. I mean, their linebackers, he was really highlighting how good they are dropping back in zones and having their eyes, you know, on the quarterback at all the time. So one thing that Oregon is going to have to do is be really smart. And, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I was just thinking when Shane was talking, I don't know if this benefits Bo Nix or hurts him that I don't think he's going to win this game physically. I think he's going to have to win it mentally. I don't think he's going to be able to overpower this off or this defense and have receivers, you know, jet down the field and get him. But I think he's going to be really smart and find his areas in the zones. And, you know, depending on which bow next we see, that could be really good for him because it might take him out of that area where he has to try and put everything on his shoulders and do that. But we've also seen him, you know, have a pension to try and do that even when he doesn't have to. So um, that's just one thing I'm looking to see is just how aggressive this offense really is. Um, even because I think this is going to be a game where they have to really kind of pick and choose their spots and try and take yardage where they can get it and try and go in the flats and maybe over the middle for a little six, seven yard games for as much as they can when they get it. But I don't know. I'm just, we haven't seen enough from this offense for me to be comfortable and confident that they're going to be able to do that uh, to the level that they need to. And I haven't looked at the lines or anything like that. So I'm, I'm anxious to get to duck generate corner and we can talk more about it. Well, actually let's just do it now. Let's talk about the duck game now from a, from a gambling perspective here, Shane. So, so what is our line? What's our over under what's uh what's Vegas think about this game? We are coming in with BYU on the road at Austin stadium, getting three and a half points with an under over of 57 and a half. Does, do people like to bet Oregon? Like is Oregon so. like a Vegas like favorite like a darling? Especially or at home, like that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. People I definitely think the like the factor. Yeah, and then I mean, with public too, it's always weird. They don't know. People don't know how to view BYU most of the time because they've been like criminally overrated and criminally over underrated, like depending on the year. So I think BYU gets a lot of weird action too. Interesting. Oregon being like a Nike school, I think people are hopping on that a little bit more than they should. Cause I actually, this was the early line and it really hasn't moved. And I anticipated at least a point or two drop because, well, I'll just go out and say it right now. I put actual money on BYU on that line. I have done the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I know this is an Oregon podcast. Not to uh, spoil our game predictions. (laughs) Yeah, I am shocked and appalled at both of you. you I like money. Yeah, Yeah, I do too. And I'm okay losing that money too. If Oregon Mm -hmm. just washes them, like win-win. Sports insurance. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to think about it. Should we 
Should we talk about this this volleyball incident of theirs at all? This BYU volleyball incident. Have you guys seen anything about this? Oh yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I had Staley in South Carolina get, cancel all their their matchups with them. Yeah, really? and apparently mm-hmm. BYU did a self investigation and is loudly oh, proclaiming God. from the the hills of Utah that there was no evidence found of any racial heckling, and they have reinstated the fan that they first banned. Well, I heard it's they the kicked out the wrong fan first. Oh, they kicked out the wrong fan. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Okay. It was well, it, and it takes a worse turn. The person that they first <laughs> accused of it was like an autistic kid and who God. was like shouting a bunch. So That's when it terrible. happened, somebody blamed that kid and then he got kicked out and banned. And then they did a further investigation and found out it wasn't that kid. So they reinst- so they did reinstate someone, but they should have reinstated this poor kid who oh yeah, I don't gosh. know if they like were able to actually kick out the person who who sell- who yeah actually yelled the the racial slur. Yeah. So this is a tangent, and I'm not meaning to change the subject. This just remind me once we're done with this topic that I have a question for Shane that is kind of related to all of this. So keep okay. going. Okay. All right. I just, I just, I think that's, I think it needs to be mentioned, you know, that you may see some backlash towards BYU. You know, if you're out there on the Twitterverse, there's definitely well, a little BYU we, hate floating well, around. Can we okay. talk let's, about that real let's, quick? Let's go. That's where my question was leading. Let's go. Ahead. Let me just, let me just set Shane up. So you're kind of our, I think of the three of us, our social media guy. What's this past week been like? Cause I've seen a ton of, you know, Washington uniting with Oregon and all of these Pac-12 schools against BYU. And I'm just curious what your perspective of this has been. Oh, I fucking love it. Uh, the <laughs> the Washington Twitter, like coming out and saying that they're because the the most bloodthirsty rivalry on Twitter is easily Oregon and Washington. Then you yep. can kind of sprinkle in USC when they're good. Uh, but that fan base isn't really as like dedicated, especially on that app. Washington or um, Oregon State. It just hasn't been the rivalry that it that they it was. Do yeah. Beaver fans have Twitter? <laughs> I don't think that app is popular. They have internet in there? <laughs> their Starlink internet is helping them get that. But uh, Starlink, <laughs> uh, little brother. But you know, so I mean, but to, but to even have these Oregon State fans, like every faction of like West Coast football, who is really like Oregon's had the biggest target on their back uh, social media by far. Just, I mean, Oregon fans don't do themselves any favors. Like guys like Owen and some of these people who are running around just like running their mouths and being obnoxious, and even some of the stuff like I saw in the student section on TV uh, in that last game, I was kind of just like, guys, ew, come on. It's like, it's, it's Eastern Washington. But uh, so, I mean, Oregon <laughs> definitely doesn't do themselves any favors, cool uniforms, whatnot, but it is cool to have it. Just, I kind of all come together against BYU for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I feel like there was like initial, like that, the volleyball incident, the, whether or not, you know, how you feel about certain religious groups and whatnot. And this thing, <laughs> just and, practices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And certain cover-ups within, uh but that's all for a different podcast to talk about but then but then these byu fans come in and then they start really dropping a lot of shit and that's where it was like crazy where now there's like polls up about who has a better mascot and like there was this whole like reddit uh thread about like how fans have been treated how opposing fans have been treated at Autzen, and like while I've seen people like talking shit and being drunk and whatnot, like these stories are obviously fabricated and they're just as hyperbolic as can be to try and make this point. And they're just circulating around. So not only was the initial like kind of blow to BYU Twitter from just like this, all of a sudden this like alliance of like back 12 schools <laughs> and basically every school surrounding BYU being like, yeah, fuck those guys. But then now they're really digging themselves a bigger grave. So, I mean, game day Saturday on Twitter is going to be a fun place to watch. This would be a good week to do the old two screen watching. Definitely. Yeah, I've seen like Utah fans on Twitter just kind of like put threads out to like prep duck fans for like what they're going to see on Saturday. And I'm like, wow, that's just like, you know how badly how badly Utah fans hate BYU fans. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's really fun to like watch everyone kind of be like, all right, just get ready for what you're gonna see from these BYU fans. Yeah, well, don't I will, they call I, that the Holy War? Like the, their yeah, rivalry that is, is the it? Holy War. And they haven't yeah. played it in a couple of years, right? So they've got all this like pent up like tension yeah. and rage, I bet. 
but yeah, BYU Twitter, like they are about as obnoxious as any group I've seen, and like including Oregon, you know what I mean? And Washington and Florida State and like the most obnoxious of obnoxious fans. Like I thought Florida State took the cake. I was wrong. They played last year. They played in the bowl game last year, didn't they? No, oh, really? No. no, they played in the beginning part of the season. So huh. they must have reinstated the rivalry just last year or something like that. But anyway, still cool. lots of hate yeah. in that rivalry. And it's a great rivalry. That's one of those weird random games that I'd really like to go to one day just to do experience in person. All right, let's do it, Shane. Let's get our picks in now. So what's the, you said the line's three and a half. What's the over under? Hit me with those numbers one more time for the people, please. The line and the over-under. BYU is getting three and a half points at Autzen Stadium with an under-over of 57 and a half. Uh, give me, give me the duckies there. I, I, I know it. I know it. I feel, feel good. The, the vibes are coming back. I'm, I'm turning back into, it. to, uh, to hot take artist over here. But um, no, I, th- I think that I think the Ducks are able to to out physical in this, them in this game. I think they're going to beat them at their own game. I think it's going to be the under. I think this game's going to be similar to that BYU Baylor game. I see something like 24-17, 24-19, some kind of a score like that. So yeah, give me the Ducks and give me the under. Yeah, I would say give me BYU and give me the under. I, I think it'll be a low scoring physical game, but I just. I haven't seen enough from the Ducks yet this year that that really tells gives me confidence that they can go in and beat the number twelve team in the nation. You know, I just I need to see it more. Gotta see more. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Plus that three and a half, that half point there. Because I mean, Oregon still yeah. win this game on a last second field goal, and you win that bet. And I mean, mm-hmm. I could totally see this being a game that goes down to the wire and being a low scoring game. So I'm going to take the under as well. So, um, so it's before you move on, over then, can I ask a real question that just came to came to me? If so if Oregon's schedule was reversed and they played Eastern Washington first, 170 to 14, then played Georgia week two and lost, no injuries going into week three, would that change your perception of this game, of who this team is? No. No, I don't think so. But I, I mean, it's impossible to say because I think that Georgia game goes different if the Ducks have Eastern Washington tune up, you know, ahead of it. So, you know, it's impossible mm-hmm. to say. So, I mean, we can say in a vacuum, our perceptions wouldn't change, but we're human. So of course they would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But I, I mean, just, I, just, I couldn't go ahead. I just didn't really see anything like, I mean, if the Georgia game plays out similar to how it did play out, I wouldn't really have any takeaways from it that I Ducks or fiddle week one. I can't tell if I'd be like more confident or because we'd seen what they'd done in week one, or if I'd be like, wow, we, we might really suck. So just I can tell you, I would have been way more bummed out during the Georgia game because my expectations probably would have been a little bit higher for that one. <laughs> yeah. So have changed I might have actually cried had the, the schedule been reversed <laughs> like that. All right, let's fly through the rest of these duck generate corners. My internet is still going crazy over here. So let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast and get to the finish line here. Cross Jonah. your hit. fingers. Yep, uh, so our, our record from last week, I should just state before we do this, I went 10 and six. Zach, you went 11 and five, winning the week. And Justin, uh, seven and nine. Yes. So we'll keep, we'll keep that, we'll keep that running total going throughout the season. See how much we actually know about this sport. Uh, Next game, South Alabama is getting 15 and a half points at UCLA with an under over of 41. Second straight Alabama team that UCLA is playing. Played Alabama State last week. UCLA and over. Yeah, I'm going to copy Zach. Yeah, yeah. UCLA. I'm keeping it, keeping it quick so we can appease JD's. Yep. No, I like yeah. it. Yeah, uh, and that tight. makes uh, that's all three of us on that one. Yeah. Uh, next game. This one might be the most interesting of the bunch. Cal plus 10 and a half at Notre Dame. The 0 and 2 wide. Notre Dame. The 0 and 2 <laughs> Notre Dame. Also with an under over of 41. Yeah, give me. I, I think Notre Dame comes back. Give me Notre Dame and give me the over. Yeah. I think so too. I was going to say the exact same thing. They are, they're mad. They they're had, so I mean, mad. 
they had Freeman, Marcus Freeman, the new coach, like the golden boy of college football coming in and start 0-2. It's like, oh, that got kind of handled by Marshall. Like, I don't know if you guys caught much of that game. By Marshall. 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 (laughs) What are you doing? Well, there were some crazy games last week. I mean, App State going into College Station and beating Texas. I mean, gee, man, Christmas. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot. I mean, even Texas and uh, Bama went down to the wire yeah, with what a uh, Texas backup quarterback. Yeah. yeah, you would have you would have lost that bet had you had you uh, jumped on that like you wanted to there, sir. Oh yeah, uh, we were texting through that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went with. I actually did lose money on that game. I got a live line on Alabama at minus seven and a half, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" It was halftime. I was like, "I'm almost thinking about what I was going to do with the money already." Uh, so that's <laughs> I'll sucks. get you. But yeah, I did uh, Notre Dame in the under because I think they're going to win forty to zero. Ooh, wow. Okay. 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 Um, where do we go? Oregon. Okay. Next up, cool. Colorado. Rough, rough oh for Colorado betters. Uh, Colorado. shout out to Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Force. Apparently, they're yeah. good. We knew what you're talking about there. Yeah. We'll we'll see how bad Colorado here is. Uh, they're getting 27 and a half points at Minnesota with an under over oh of 47. God. The Golden Gophers. This is interesting because the under over is 47 and the spread is 27 and a half. <laughs> So, like, <laughs> yeah, uh, depending on who you pick for the spread, you kind of already pick your choice for the under. I mean, wasn't the, the Air Force game was what, 41 10? 41 10. Yeah. Oh, my God. God um, bad. I think the Buffaloes bounce back. Give me the Buffaloes and give me the under. Give me the Gophers and give me the over. <laughs> I just don't. I'll just decide that we've got a, a on our USA Today College Wire sites. We've got a Colorado website and the, the managing editor for him, Jack Carlo, nicest guy. He's very, very nice. Kind of cool to talk to. So bad for him. <laughs> he like he lives in Boulder and like goes to all the games and covers it the right way and works hard. And it's just like they don't get many page views because they're just a bad team oh, and no one wants to rough, read about it. I'm just yeah. like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, the entire state of Colorado is kind of hurting in the football department right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need well, to talk not, about not that. Air Force. Speaking <laughs> not of, Air Force, you're true right. that, true <laughs> that. Uh, speaking of Colorado, next up we have Colorado State getting 17 points on the road in Pullman against Washington State, uh, under over 53. Some feisty Cougars, some Cougars oh, should, going into Camp Randall. I should say I did Minnesota in the under for the last game. Okay, okay. Right. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give me the Cougs. What was what was the over under one more time? Seventeen Shane? and a half. Oh, I don't uh, know the over under. The spread was seventeen, and the under was fifty three. I like the over. Give me the Cougs. Give me the over. I think I think they blow them out. I think they wax them. Give me the Cougs and the under. I'm just I'm not sold on Cameron Ward yet at the FBS level. Like I think he'll get there, but he's still kind of feeling it out. So um, I don't know about how many points are going to be scored, but I like them to win. Yeah, from the I went with Washington State in the under two. Um, I just I don't really see Colorado scoring enough points to get that number high enough, uh, and I nor do I see Washington State just really like putting the pins to them and really Let's go just... over. Let's go over. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one is also this one actually might be the most interesting. Um, Michigan State is getting three yes. and a half in Seattle at Washington under over a fifty six and a half. Washington scored, they've got like close to like 1,200 yards of offense so far this season, but they played like Portland State and like Blaine Community College or something. Give me Washington. Ooh. I think they're going to do it. I really, this Washington team's good, man. I, as a Duck fan, I hate to say it, but this team's good. Uh, I think I'll go over. Yeah, I'll go over, but I, I think Washington's going to win by, I could see him winning by. 10 to 14 points. Yeah, give me give me Sparty in the over. All right. I went with Sparty and the under. Uh, just because sometimes when you haven't played a team, like a, a real team yet, you can get kind of hit in the mouth. And I, I could see Washington winning the game. But again, I, I could just see it going down to the wire and I could see this be kind of more of a slugfest. I could see it being a low scoring game early and then kind of catching on and scoring some points later on the second half. Michigan State uh, isn't ranked, are they? No. Okay. No. But they always have some running they're, back. They're who, a good team. A bunch yeah. of transfers. Yeah, yeah they bring they're a good coach sure. team, too. Mm-hmm. They'll probably have a running back who goes in the third round. What's his face? Yeah. He's the ex-Colorado coach, right? Ex-Colorado, ex-Alabama, yeah. uh, too. Ex-Alabama, Alabama yeah. coordinator. I mm-hmm. forget his name. Mel but, Tucker? 
Mel, yeah, Mel Tucker. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good hey, job. Hey. That was fucking. Yeah, hey. there you go. That was good. <laughs> that's, Every once in a tough. while, the brain comes through. Baby. <laughs> uh, this one is also kind of fun. Um, JD's gonna love this under over. Fresno State is going on the road, getting 13 points in LA at USC with an under over of 74. Jesus, my Bulldogs, they almost did it last week against those Beavers, man. They almost pulled it game. out. That was a really good, was really a fun good game. game. How about Jonathan Smith, man? Uh, and there's we didn't have an Oregon State line. I don't know. It's because it's in Portland or or what's up. Who do they play again? Sorry, uh, we're getting away from the current line, but Montana State or something. Oh, like that. okay, yeah, yeah, Let's USC. See. Okay, um, uh, Fresno State plus thirteen under over seventy four. I think the Bulldogs are gonna be feisty. I like 13? that team. Jake Jake Hayner or whatever the quarterback. Yeah, Jake Hayner. Kid can sling it. Huge over under though. That USC defense is not very good. Swiss cheese either. You know what? Fuck it. Give me the Bulldogs, but give me the under. I don't think I don't think we're going crazy. I don't think I'm going the exact opposite. Give me USC and the over. Yeah, I I did the same as Zach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just think that Hayner is going to throw for like 500 on these guys. Yeah, but I also I think USC is going to win by 20. So, yeah, because Caleb Williams is also going to throw five, like, yeah. 65 to 42 kind of games. Yeah. yeah. Caleb Williams is looking like better than advertised. And after Spencer a, Rattler, yeah. uh, kind of doing a dud there last week against Arkansas. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Caleb way. Williams, shocker, good at football. <laughs> yeah. Interesting way it played out. Uh, this is the last game. Eastern Washington is getting, sorry. Eastern Michigan, I have Eastern Washington on the mind. Eastern Michigan is getting 20 and a half points against the crazy mascot on the helmet, Sun Devils in Arizona. Arizona State. That is weird. Weird. It's very wild. Yeah. I did not enjoy looking at those. Uh, I don't enjoy their uniforms at all. So Uh, I like the Trident more, and I didn't think I liked it. Uh, But the under over is 56 and a half. I don't. What was the line again? 20 and a half. I know. How I don't much trust you know Arizona Eastern... State to cover that, but I don't trust Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Michigan to cover that either. Uh, I, I honestly, out of all these, I spent the most time on this one. Where I was just yeah, like, I would just like, I, I, know. I so badly want to just do a stay away because like, I don't know enough about <laughs> either school at all. Give me Arizona State in the under. I don't, that's a complete, I don't know, whim though. Yeah, give me. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a tough See, my decision. Thinking you was like, zero money on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I could spend five minutes thinking about my decision, but it's gonna be the same amount yeah, of like really knowledge matter. on the decision. Yeah, yeah you know what? Said it. So. You know what? Twenty. So yeah, fuck it. Give me Eastern Michigan. Give me the under. All right, I went Eastern Michigan in the over because I just figured that would be the most fun result. That would be a fun <laughs> yeah, result. Yeah, I was like, what, what would I like to? What would I like to watch the most? Let's see. <laughs> let's see a shootout between two teams. I really don't. It's funny. Like every year, Arizona State. I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. I don't no, know every, what every single year what's going on. There. And it's a recruiting hotbed. Arizona State should be good. There's a lot of mm-hmm. good athletes in that area. If they kept half those kids home, they'd have a great program. And they just yeah, like don't. a coach with an NFL pedigree. And like they have all these things, like all this money and it's still Bad. just like they cheat a bunch too. So like that's <laughs> <laughs> usually that doesn't hurt. Like <laughs> I know, right? They Why should they have good? better results, honestly, with how much they were cheating. How are you this bad at cheating, but you're still bad? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the really trouble thing thing right yeah. there. For real. My goodness. All right, gentlemen. Any any final thoughts? Any any hot takes to get off the chest here before we wrap up the podcast today? Uh did anybody see Bo Nix's eye black? during the game against Eastern no, Washington. Did not see did. that. No. What the fuck was that? It was like <laughs> so he had it like here and then it was like running almost like a like a Rudy Giuliani type like uh like hmm. just like like a line kind of going down his face. But I don't, couldn't tell if it was intentional or not. I hope it wasn't. He just 
he reminds me of a G.I. Joe action figure mm-hmm. so much. I've like seen him walking into practice and he has like his hair like gelled up and spiked in the front. And like I'm not hating on like that's how I wear my hair a lot too. But like me too. Walking into a football practice, I don't know that I'd like have it like perfectly done. I'm just like that's odd. I, I don't I, mean, I noticed the same uh, thing about the man himself, but yeah. But I mean, just based on physical appearance, I thought like him and Terrence Ferguson must be fucking bros. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> they look I'm like sure they get they along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's that's all I got there. I don't know if that's what you're looking for. I like it. No, I like it. <laughs> any, anything from you, Zach? Any any final thoughts? No. Any hot takes? No. I'm no? Good. All right, I'm we good. are good to go. Uh, thank you for sticking around. Hi, mom. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, take care of your chicken. Take care of your mentals. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. Boom. That was a nice, concise one. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. I'll have to do some some editing magic there to kind of make that all (laughs) like. Yeah, clear up that five minutes. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what that was. My internet's just bouncing around. I think I just need to get a better. Is it the. Just get like the the booster. Yeah, I, well, I need to call Xfinity and get a new one from them. But then, is it the oh, a router? New, a new router, I think, is the one. Yeah. yeah. It was sense. funny, though, like, where it was freezing, we couldn't tell if you were just... And every time, it just looked like you were deep in thought. Yeah. <laughs> it would literally just be like a pensive look. And we're like, <laughs> <laughs> is he going to say something? No, Waiting on pins and needles for you to talk. And it was like, is it frozen? Like, the first time, we didn't say anything for, like, 20 seconds. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I'll get that out as soon as I can. Have a good night. We'll talk soon. That had no bones. I give. Sorry.